I was laughing with my sister who had a birthday this week that uh, we both like different kinds of music, broad spectrum of music. And uh, one of the things that's been a topic between me and her is have we planned for our funeral? And so I said this feedback this week was, uh, I wonder what people who think they know me would say if I, I had an Elvis song at the funeral and a little bluegrass and something traditional and something contemporary. Uh, it's great and so great to be with you today and to be able to worship to you with you. Uh, okay, this is a call to worship. I'll read the gray words and you read the yellow with me. It's from Psalms 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Amen. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord, for this day that we can gather in your name and worship you and praise your holy name. In this Thanksgiving week, I pray that you would stir our hearts as followers of Christ to thank you for the multiple things that you so generously lavish upon us. As we ponder to reflect upon your word, I pray that your spirit would speak to each of us in your grace and in your power. We thank you in anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen. My text for today is from Psalm 90, and I want to read it to you. I will be reading from the New International Version of the text. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death, They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. 
the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For the wrath, your wrath is great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Thanksgiving season is a special sign time for me. With a farm background, it's always a joy to have these frosty mornings and to reflect upon going out to harvest corn or beans and to spend time this week as an intentional reminder to give thanks. Not prepare for shopping, not watch football games, but to give thanks to God. Our national heritage is rooted deeply into the matter of giving thanks, a time to give thanks to the almighty creator of heaven and earth. On October 3, 1789, our president, George Washington, made a thanksgiving proclamation, but it begins this way. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the province of, I've highlighted this two words, almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And he went on to say, to be thankful for God's blessing on our nation to that point. But the scripture is even more pointed, and we could read the rest of the morning Thanksgiving verses. But I like this one from Psalm 96, 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Now, Psalm 90, if you opened your Bible and read with me, you will see the subtitle there is A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. <clears throat> what a powerful, wonderful reminder of this when we reflect upon the words of the text. He challenges us to look back and see God's blessings upon our lives and then to look up and worship the Lord our God. We don't know when Moses wrote this psalm, but we remember him primarily there in the upper right-hand corner for the burning bush, and then the crossing of the Red Sea, and then the receiving of the Ten Commandments. His life is very interesting. It is divided into three periods of 40 years. Interestingly, the first 40 years are in Egypt in the palace. And it takes 10 verses to describe all that we need to know. Then it goes on and describes his experience in the desert with sheep, and that's 15 verses. 
And then the final 40 years of his life begins at Exodus 3, Leviticus, Numbers, and Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And it's the entire book of Deuteronomy. It's phenomenal, the emphasis that God gives to these years of his life from 80 years to 120 years. It says a lot to us about the importance of life. But think with me just about some of his life experiences. Given up for adoption, raised in Pharaoh's palace, trained in military excellence. Egypt was the military power of the day. He lived as a fugitive in the desert. He had to fend for himself as he was a shepherd. He was called at the burning bush to lead God's people out of slavery. He was haunted for his failures, like the murder of the Egyptian who was mistreating an Israelite. He was aware of his limitations. He was used of God to inflict ten plagues on Egypt. This dealt the dealt with the griping, complaining people of God. He led the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. He saw the miraculous provision of manna. He met God on Mount Sinai. It makes your head swim just to look at that list, and your mind probably brings back uh, various incidents that especially stick out to you. But his experiences with God were so obvious and so powerful. The miraculous rescue from the Nile and Pharaoh's edict. You know, think with me a moment about the, just, I don't know what to call it, the ridiculousness of the situation. Pharaoh had demanded that every Israelite boy be killed, but his parents had courage, and they abandoned him in the Nile River and who would adopt him? Pharaoh's daughter. Wow. And somehow she kept him alive and didn't let Pharaoh kill him. Think about his education. Egypt was the powerhouse of the world at that time. They had the best educational system in existence. And I won't go into that, but you can research it. It's a reality. And him being the Son of Pharaoh, huh, Pharaoh's daughter. He was Pharaoh's grandson. I think he had the best of the education possible. Think about the voice at the burning bush. That's a short story, but when you slip on Moses' sandals and you hear God's voice saying, Take off your sandals, you are on holy ground. It's a profound experience in his life. The devastation on Egypt, uh, the plagues, some of them involved Israel, but most of them only Egypt. And just imagine to say this part of central Illinois was plagued except for Chillicothe. You'd say, what is going on? But he, he led that and climaxed, of course, with the, the death of the firstborn. And Israel was exempt. Amazing and astounding to think through those various things. And then the opening of the Red Sea, and shortly after, Pharaoh's army drowned. 
God speaking to him on Mount Sinai and giving him the Ten Commandments, of course, twice. The miraculous provision, five days a week, and then a bonus day. Friday was bonus day. You, you got the manna for Friday and Saturday, so there was no collection on the Sabbath day. And God never mixed up the schedule for 40 years. What experiences he had in those lives, in that life. And now, apparently, as he's approaching his 120th birthday, he writes this psalm that presents a lot of interesting contrasts to us. God is eternal, but man is temporal. God is faithful, but man is fickle. Now, you can let your mind wander a second on that, but just how he blessed Israel, and yet they rebelled against him. God's faithfulness, God's righteousness, and yet their sinfulness. The reality that God is the one who extends to you and to me as well as to them his loving kindness, covenant loyalty, a commitment to them. How powerful are these lessons? And then he writes here in Psalm 90, in verse 9, All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. And verse 10, the length of our days is 70 years, or 80, if we have strength. Yet their span is tr but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass, and we, as we have just sung, fly away. I think one of the key phrases of this psalm is that simple one, that we are to realize that we have an awesome God. God is our refuge, Deuteronomy 33 says. I put that summary there, but I'd like to read the whole, chat, whole verses there, verses 27. It's right at the end of Deuteronomy, if you see my Bible. It's right here at the end, of, right before Joshua begins. And in verse 27, it says, The eternal God is your refuge. Now, Grandpa Moses is saying this to his descendants and to his grandchildren's descendants. So he's saying it to two generations. Uh, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are his everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you, saying, Destroy him. So Israel will live in safety alone Jacob's spring is secure in a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop dew. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a, sa a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you, and you will trample down their high places. And as you read the scripture, you see that as they approached different peoples, the people were talking about what Jehovah God did to Egypt in the plagues, what Jehovah God did in the crossing of the Red Sea. They were fearful of the power of God. Indeed, they cowered before him. As we think about Psalm 90, I think one of the key phrases is this. Teach us to number our days aright. 
a powerful theme for us to think through. And Moses is saying, as I look back on my life, I need to look up and worship the God who has taken care of me all of these years, from the time I was born to when my mom and dad and Aaron and Miriam took me to the Nile and left me. God, you have been good to me. You are an awesome God. God's faithfulness, as our brothers say, God is good all the time, and the response is, all the time, God is good. Moses is saying that to us with power and authority. And so as we look at this chapter specifically, we see that he begins with saying God is our security. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations, from Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, David, through all these generations and dozens more, you have been our dwelling place and place of safety, a shelter. You know, we think generically of shelter until we hear a tornado warning that our memories accent with the tornado that came to Washington. And we say we better pay attention instead of ignoring it. You are our shelter, a place of safety. He goes on in verse 2 to say, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And then notice the contrast. Man is frail. You turn man back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. What a powerful reminder of God's power and authority. And so we see that our security is in God and God alone, as Moses teaches us, but our span of our life is brief. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. Think about the plagues. Here is the mightiest nation in all of the world that is brought to its knees by ten plagues. Think of the frogs and the lice and the locusts. And Israel looks on unaffected. They are protected. Climaxing in the plague of the firstborn. The Israelites who took the blood of a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of the, their opening door and over the lintel. And their oldest child did not die. While in Egypt, there were thousands of deaths. No wonder that the Egyptians gave them literally, tons of gold, silver, and bronze, and clothes, and said, get out of here! Of course, as my wife and I have been reading Exodus, we see that they used those metals to construct the tabernacle. 
God provided ahead of time before they even knew that they would need that. But those of willing heart gave much of that metal back to God. Think of the judgment during the years of the, the wilderness wanderings. Yeah. At times, the judgment was so intense that hundreds died and sometimes thousands. No wonder that Moses says, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. He goes on to say, Lord, you have set our iniquities before you. You know, the day he murdered that Egyptian for mistreating an Israelite guy, he buried the body in the sand and thought, I'm off of this one. Until the next day when an Israelite confronted him about it. But he realizes that somebody more important and more all-seeing saw what he did and saw his inappropriate anger in that situation. And then he says, our secret sins in the light of your presence. There's not one thing that you think, that you say, or that you do, that Almighty God does not know it. It's as if the spotlight is on you, and he sees that. Yes, indeed, our God is righteous in his anger, but he is always there. And then he reminds us of our brevity, as he says in verse Oh, that's verse 8. There's 10. The length of our days are 70 years, or 80. If we have strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. For some of you, to think about being 70 when you're 7 or 10 is tough to think about. But for those of us who have past at least one of those numbers, we say, yes, the days pass, the years pass, the decades pass so quickly, and we are left reminded of the brevity of our lives and the reality of judgment. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wrath beyond comprehension. And yet, as Judy and I were reading this week, I believe it was, in Psalm Exodus 34, Moses is on the mountain. He passed in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness. When I hear people talk about the angry God of the Old Testament and the loving God of Jesus, the hair on my back stands up because the Old Testament talks over and over of the covenant loyalty of our God. And that's what Moses is saying in the midst of this psalm, that God is the loyal one. Yes, he brings judgment, but he is righteous in all that he does. 
wrath beyond com com comprehension, but justice and mercy also exist. And then that powerful prayer that we each ought to pray. We need a heart of godly wisdom. Yes, indeed we do. And it comes to then the final section of the psalm. Our satisfaction is found in the Lord himself. Verse 13, <clears throat> How long, relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. He goes on in verse 14, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. See, I think the root of thanksgiving is to reflect upon our relationship with God. And if every morning we stopped and said, Oh God, I thank you that you love me in spite of who I am. I thank you that you love me in spite of what I thought yesterday. I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And to reflect upon the greatness of our God. Why? So that we may sing for joy and be glad. And then this old man, undoubtedly past 100 years of old, old prays for an upbeat attitude. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. Now, he's seen them for 100 years or more, probably a lot more, a lot of trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children. Great words of reminder. Lord, I want to be an upbeat person, a person who walks with you in confidence and in joy and allows you to work in my life. How I need you in my life every day. He goes on to say, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Lord, may your favor be upon me in these days and be, bring you praise. In the darkness of the Civil War, President Lincoln called for a day of thanksgiving and praise on October 3rd, 1863. Six weeks later, he gave his famous Gettysburg Address, and about a year and a half later, the Civil War was over. But the nation was in hostility and division. It was a very difficult time for the nation as we had two parts, the North and the South. Divided extremely, intense by some, and the nation was filled with hostility. Thousands of people had died I hope someday you get to go to Gettysburg and see that battlefield and see the challenges the nation fed, had in those days. Thousands more were severely wounded. It was a terrible time in the nation, and yet, like Moses, President Lincoln called the nation to prayer thanksgiving 
praise. Lincoln and Moses says we need to look back and reflect upon God's goodnesses and favors to us and then to look up and see that he is there. To trace God's hand in our lives, even in hard times. A few years ago, Judy and I were getting ready to travel someplace, and she said, I have a project I want you to work on while we're traveling. And so we got on the road, and sure enough, she said, okay, now I want you to tell me about all the good things that God has done through this difficult situation. You see, I was very angry over the way a church had treated me, but especially on the impact it had on my wife and my daughter, who was a senior in high school. She said, wait a minute, let me get a piece of paper. And so she started jotting down and sometimes reminding me of some things. But the point is that even in the hard times, when we look back, we can see God was working. It was there that God was there. And when we look back, even in the hard times, we see God's gracious hand, and seeing that, our whole perspective is transformed. Instead of looking at the poor me aspect, we look at the greatness of God and his presence and power in all of that. Another lesson that I think Moses wants us to learn is that whole matter of to number our days. Now, we don't know when we're going to die. Uh, I, that's a reality. But we do know this. The death rate is 100%. Right? Anybody want to say you're going to be different? Well, okay. We need to stop and think about that. Moses says 70, perhaps 80. Now, some of us have crossed that 70 mark already. I'm 75. But many years ago, I, I met a guy in Oklahoma City at a navigator conference, and he took the, the, that verse very literally. And so as he wrestled with that, he counted from this day to his 70th birthday was whatever. So each morning as he paused to look up to God, he says, Lord, this is day, well, shall we say, 9,124. Help me to invest it wisely for you in a way that honors you. And each day, he scratched off another day. Teach us to number our days. I have not done that, but it's a good thing to think through. We only have today one time. Teach us to number our days. But I want to remind you of something else about Moses. We primarily remember Moses for the things that happened in the last 80, last 40 years of his life after he was 80. Destroyed Egypt's power through the plagues. The miracles that he saw beyond comprehension as you read through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, God's powerful hand, not just the manna, but the power of, 
of water out of a rock, the miracle of the quails flying in so they could have meat and learn a lesson. Just astounding. His experience on Mount Sinai and God meeting him there. His experience of establishing the Levitical and Aaronic priesthoods. The construction details of the tabernacle. That's a little tedious to read, but uh, Judy and I have just finished that. And uh, it not only tells it how, how God said it to Moses, it tells you again how they did it. <laughs> and then, then it climb, comes to a climax at the end of chapter 39 and, the, and then into 40, that Moses inspected their work and it passed, and they had done it exactly as God had commanded Moses. <laughs> And then he says in chapter 40, verse 2, now put it together. <laughs> uh, my mind wonders with those things. They didn't have paper. They had papyrus. Did they have a blueprint that they followed? But to get all those different pieces in the right place and in the right order and all of that, it must have been quite an interesting project. But the powerful reminders in Deuteronomy of God's presence among them. We primarily remember Moses, what he chose to let God do in and through him after his 80th birthday. May God stir our hearts to focus not on being abandoned or adopted or whatever it is, but to focus on his good hand in our lives. And I challenge you to invest your life in things that have eternal significance, to impact people for eternity. May God stir our hearts to see that through it all, God is there and is working. May he give you the wisdom to in your, invest your life in matters of eternal significance. I am so glad that Moses made these two choices. He looked back and said, through all these troubles, you have been so good to me. Thank you. He looked up, and then he worshiped God with thanksgiving. In this special Holy Week of thanksgiving in our nation, I encourage you to join me in saying, I'm going to look back. I'm going to focus on God's goodnesses to me through my years. I'm going to then look up, and I'm going to choose to worship my God with thanksgiving. Let's follow the pattern of George Washington to give thanks to the Almighty God. Amen. <laughs>